Father, thank you so much. What can we say other than thank you? Thank you. Thank you. So much to be thankful for. Father, we are here celebrating, studying your word, enjoying one another for only one reason. A man has come who has said to the crowds, I am. And this man has saved us from our sin through his death, burial, resurrection, ascension, sending the Holy Spirit. Father, this morning as we study the identity of Jesus as he himself announces to us, Father, we pray that your Spirit will cause this revelation, this understanding, to be explicitly deeper and more meaningful in our hearts, getting into our very fabric, the very soul of our being. Father, may we have a greater dumbfoundedness about him, awestruck of who this man is. Father, may he become so much greater in our own minds and our own hearts, causing us to be loving him and obeying him and following him more and more simply because of who he is and what he's done. Teach us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. This morning, we're beginning a new study. And it's a study that I've never done before. And as I was thinking and preparing and talking to both Nick and Todd, who walk with us, we share the teaching. I think I had said to Nick or Todd, or maybe to both, I feel the Holy Spirit is leading us to teach, what was it, Galatians, I think, Nick? Was that it? You're making a face. Well, I don't. Did I interrupt you? I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, oh, is that correct? <laughs> and okay, so I'm thinking we're going to be doing Revelation. And it's always good to plan ahead to think things. A man plans his own way, but the Lord makes the decisions eventually. And so it just came to me. I am. Teach the I am's. Teach the I am's. These are the most important statements that Jesus makes. Because all the other statements that he makes about himself, especially in relation to the Father, all of those statements and all of that teaching and all of those miracles are gathered together and are revealed and made manifest 
in these I am statements. So we want to see the profundity, profoundness, the foundational revelation that Jesus is making about himself as we study these I am statements. And in these statements, Jesus answers absolutely the only question that is significant, the answer to which is significant, not only for today, but especially for eternity. There's only one question that has to do with our eternal destiny, only one. And we all have questions about life, right? We all do. Oh, da, da, da. But there's only one question that counts before God. And you remember in Matthew 16, Jesus has taken the disciples up to Caesarea Philippi, outside of the boundary, if you would, of Israel in those days. And they're sitting around the campfire. By this time, Jesus has been ministering for a little while. And let's say we're the people who have been seeing him. You saw him the other day when he walked past. You heard him speak. You saw the miracle of. And you're watching this man. And you're watching this man who sees a funeral and a widower is walking behind the coffin of her son who has just died. And you see this. But then you see the most extraordinary thing. Greg, you see something that you didn't think you'd ever see. As a Jew, you didn't think you'd ever see it. A man out of the crowd comes forth. You know him because you've seen him before. You've heard him, Debbie. He's Jesus, the son of Joseph and Mary from Nazareth. He's a carpenter's son. I've heard a lot about him, Mona Maria. I've heard a lot about him. And he walks up. And he touches the coffin. <gasps> now, you know, in G Jewish ceremonial law, you don't do that kind of a thing because it's what? It's unclean. It's dead. And if you do come into contact with something unclean, let's say something dead, you have to spend seven days in purifying yourself. You don't do that, Lloyd. This man comes up, Peter, and he touches. I can imagine everybody kind of. <gasps> because you see the procession stopped. He touched. He touched it. Feel. Feel. What they saw. Let's just not read it. But flow what? Let's feel it. This is not done, Rosa. 
Now, if that's not gripping enough, Renee, he speaks to this dead young man and he tells him to get up. And the young man gets up. <gasps> Think about it. Think about it, Miguel. What's your question? Jamal, what is your question? Who is this man? Charlie, are you with me? Anton? Who is this man, Jody? Who is he? He's not just a man who has taught in ways that I've never heard a man say things like this with such authority. I've never seen a man who cared for people, Ronnie, like this man does. I mean, you remember the other day when Jairus' daughter was ill and Jairus, the ruler of the synagogue, remember, came to him and asked Jesus, would you come and heal my daughter? So they're going along the way. And Jesus stops and says, who touched me? And Peter says, what, what do you mean who touched you? Look at all the crowds. Everybody's touching you, bumping you. Somebody touched me. And the lady in the crowd, a Jewish lady has touched a Jewish man. You don't do that, Wendy. You don't do that. You see, women have their place. And they have no right to do that, Carolyn. And he turns, turns around and the lady's there. And he says, it's okay, my daughter. It's okay. He doesn't say this, but this is what he means. I'm here for you to touch. And so when you see him touch the funeral procession and he raises the dead, the dead boy, what are you forced to ask about this man? What, John? Who are you? Who is he? Can you imagine everybody going home that afternoon? And the conversation isn't going to be about, did the football game get caught and stopped? I mean, you know, did they win? Roland, that's not the conversation. The conversation is, you should have seen what I saw today. We saw something that we didn't think we'd ever see in Israel. We saw a man, a man, Claudia, a man. We saw a man that did and said things that no man has ever done or said. There's something very different about this man. 
his power, his compassion, his understanding of the word of God. Never have seen this before, Brad. Ain't never seen it before. We've read about the prophets of old, and we've read about Moses and Samuel and all of the others, the great kings of, you know, Israel, David and Saul. But we've never seen anything like this before. Amanda, who is he? Do you understand why the people were forced to ask the question? Are you with me this morning? It wasn't something that take it or leave it. This is not just Joe Blow preacher. This is not just another good man. So in Matthew 16 in Caesarea Philippi, Jesus gathers the disciples around himself. And he wants to know. But he already knows, you see. He's not asking for his own information. He's asking to help the disciples understand. And he says, hey, guys, who do the people say I am? And they give several answers. You remember some of the answers. Now, in each answer. There may have been a little glimpse, a kernel of truth. All the people, the world, who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? You want to start a conversation today that is probably the most significant evangelistic means of all. Don't start off with God loves you. Don't do that. Don't start off with something about, you know, ask him. Who is Jesus? Who do you believe Jesus is? Who is he, Debbie? You know, who is he? Who is he? You want to get a conversation going? And you're going to get all kinds of answers. But you see, there's only one answer that is acceptable to God himself as to your eternal destiny. There are a few young people in here, youth. I'm glad you all are here. I just wish the others were here. People say you shouldn't be. No, I I want everybody to be in here. If this weren't fundamentally significant to our eternal life, I wouldn't care. Why do I care? Because eternity has to do with this. You see, what you young guys and ladies learn in school is important. But none of it touches this. None of it. None of it touches this. The most significant thing in life to know is who is this man? So when you leave here today and you see other young people and parents, tell them, you need to be in here. Amen. Don't ask them, oh, please. No, be here. 
doing here what you do in the school system. You ain't letting your children skip school, are you? Come on, come on, everybody. Let's not tiptoe around the tulips. Let's stomp the tulips down and walk. I get tired sometimes of being so polite. Jesus was not polite. People say he was a gentleman. He was no gentleman in the worldly sense. What were we talking about, Hannah? I didn't hear you, AJ. Wait, AJ had a profound comment, I can tell. What was it? The kids are probably all going to be asking their parents, is, okay, can I quit school as long as I come to Sunday school? My answer would be yes. <laughs> hey, that's a good way to get them in here. Who is he? Jesus wants to know who the disciples think he is. Because you see... Mostly, the most important thing to this man is not what the world thinks of me. It's not, Angel. It's what do my people think of me. Can you get that? And he says, but who do you say that I am? Who do you say that the Son of Man is? From Matthew 16. And the revelation comes forth from the Apostle Peter, who was a disciple at the time. What does he say? Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Now, I don't know. You remember, Jesus is a human being. Remember, he's a man. He's this man with the nature of humanity and the nature of divinity in him. Which means that he has limitations to his knowledge. I don't know whether he expected this answer. Messiah, I think he just, but when he heard it, he knew it was the Father's answer given to Peter. And he hears that. And I think it was like, you know how you, maybe I could be wrong, but has Ben ever said something that really caught you surprised in a good way? He says, blessed are you, Peter, son of John, Peter Barjona. For you didn't get this by just reading some books. Flesh and blood did not reveal this to you. You didn't get this even by watching me and listening to me. That's not how you got the revelation. Blessed are you, Peter, son of John, for what? For what? Is it in your notes? You can peek. For what? My, my father has what? Revealed it to you. The only way to know who Jesus is is by the revelation of God the Father through the Holy Spirit. Amen. Why did Jesus respond with such a, an approbation and approving comment? 
Why? Because, you see, Peter had come to understand that Jesus was much more than what people were saying or thinking about himself. He was even more what the disciples themselves, in the normal, natural way of understanding, understood or thought about him. Peter had been given the revelation of heaven itself. Peter and the other disciples have been walking with Jesus, watching and listening and experiencing in this man what no other man had been portraying. And they not only saw his miracles and listened to his teachings and watched his care and compassion, but they also heard his self-statements. They also heard what Jesus himself says about himself, says about his identity. He, they also heard the various I am statements. And when they heard those, I would imagine they were somewhat perplexed. You know, he said that, you know, whew, that's challenging, but, you know. But then for Peter, the Holy Spirit put together, when Jesus has been saying, I am, and proving I am through these miracles and this teaching and so on, it was shown to Peter. <gasps> He is the Messiah, the Christ, the Son of the living God. It came together, Darlene. It didn't come in isolation. It came, if you would, as a total package that the Holy Spirit put together for Peter's understanding. Peter had given some level of understanding fully no that when Jesus says I am he is in some way claiming to be the very God of glory remember in Acts 7 Stephen says to these leaders, the God of glory called our father Abraham out of the earth of the Chaldees. Remember that? The God of glory. He understood in some way Jesus was claiming in some way. Unclear to him at this time because the Holy Spirit had not yet come. Because Jesus had not yet been glorified. But in some way, Jesus is claiming to be some way. The very God of Israel. The Messiah. Promise you remember in Genesis 3.15. The son of David. The great deliverer king. In some way Peter began to understand. It began to dawn on him. This man is not only extraordinary, 
He is in the essence of the term unique. Ain't nobody else in the same category, in the same universe. You see, the answer to this question has to do with not only our life now, but our life now will be the life that we have in eternity. Today as a child of God in eternity, we will be what? Children of God. Today, rejectors of Jesus in eternity, we will continue to be what? Rejectors of Jesus. There's no more important question for us to answer. So what is important that we do is that we allow Jesus himself to answer the question for us. It's always the best way, Daniel. You want to know who Jesus is? Read what he says about himself. And so what we're going to do is go into the Gospel of John and look at the various I am statements. It isn't that Matthew doesn't have any of Luke, but John has the concentration of them. The emphasis in John, more than the other Gospels, is the personal identity and purpose of the Lord Jesus. Now, these I am statements fall into two categories. One category is the I am statements followed by a predicate. <laughs> I knew I should have studied grammar. When that old lady teacher said study it, I thought she was nuts. But now we're talking about some what is a predicate? Predicate. Can anybody tell me what a predicate is? <laughs> the answer quickly is nope and don't even look this way. Who knows what a predicate is? Wait, wait, wait a minute. We have a hand raised back here. Emmett? Oh, it was Attic Atticus? Okay, Atticus, this is Atticus. Hold on. Let me, let me get back here. Y'all on TV, hold on a second. <laughs> hold on. He better have the right answer. His daddy and his mama are going to have a problem. What is a predicate, young man? The, predi the predicate is the action of the sentence. The predicate is the action of the sentence. In other words... When a verb occurs, it's the thing that the verb is talking about. Yeah, you got it. What is a, yeah. So, Lemoyne, give me an example of a predicate. Run. No, no. A predicate. I am. I am God. Tall, <laughs> right? Running. I am something. Something follows the I am to give you a description or an explanation of what? What it is that I am. AJ, I'd ask you, I am, but there's no telling what you would say. <laughs> See, not everybody is sane and sweet and kind like I am. <laughs> Be quiet. A predicate is I am, and then it follows with a description. 
So gee, there's seven of them in John. I think I have them listed. In, 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 okay. I don't have to tell you what they are. There they are. We're going to be studying those. But then there is a group of I am statements. I don't forgotten how many there are. Eight or nine. Whatever, I can't remember. And they are without a predicate. What I call unpredicated I am's. In other words, it's just a statement I am. Just I am. And you think, oh, okay, I am what? You see, when it comes to God, when he identifies himself, when he identifies his essential being, not what he's going to do and how he's going to do it, but when he is identifying the most significant revelation of God is who is he in himself? Who is God? Who is he as to his essential being, as to his nature and the character? That's the most important question you're going to answer. Because everything else flows from that. Everything else is a manifestation, a proof, if you would, of this single significant question. Who are you? Because we come to know God, who he is by what he does for us. Amen? I've heard people say, we thank you for not what you've done, but who you are. Well, no, 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 no. You don't know God unless you know what he's done for you. So it's what he, you are, that causes, I'm sorry, you have done, which causes me to know who you are to a greater extent. You see? So we shouldn't ex separate the two. Make sure we don't. So you get the unpredicated I am's. Jesus just says, I am. Now, by the way, when you look at your references in your Bible, you're going to see he in italicized. In my Bible, I scratch it out. It's not in the Greek. It's understood. It's just there to help us, to help facilitate our understanding. But what it does, it takes away our understanding. You got that? The authors put it in there, you know, the italics, to help help you, Dane. To, oh, oh, it is he. I, you know, I am he. Oh, okay. That's not what Jesus says. He says, I am. He doesn't add anything to it. And so we'll be looking at what that means. Now, why did John write the gospel that he does? Remember in John 20, 31? He says, these things are written so that you may believe what? That Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. You see, you, 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 hear, him, you hear him repeating what the Apostle Peter has said. Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. John is echoing that, echoing that. Mark does it too. How does Mark 1-1 begin? What is Mark 1-1? The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And then he goes ahead and gives all, quote, the proofs of that. So John says, I've written all this stuff to you that you may believe that, that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living, uh, Son of God, and believing that you may have life in his name. So why does John take so much time and effort by the leading of the Holy Spirit who has given him this burden and this purpose. Why does John spend his time in recording the I am's? 
because it is, I don't, you know, I don't know how to say things sometimes, either an essential or the essential truth that he gives us to prove that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. You see, we can look at all that Jesus says and does. And without the I am statements, we can come to know that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Why? Because the Holy Spirit will translate all of that into the reality of who this man is. Holy Spirit would do that. He's good about that. But Jesus says, I am for the very particular purpose that when we see all this evidence out there, we can encapsulate it and gather it together and say all of that, all of it, is a living demonstration that Jesus says what? I am. Do we see we don't want to disconnect the word of God from other parts of the word of God? So as we study this, as we move through it, want us to keep in mind that every I am statement, whether with or without a predicate, in every one of these statements, Jesus is purposely gathering together everything and anything about him and succinctly stating it with these two words, I am. Do we get that? Want us again to understand the profundity of these comments, of these words. So next week, we're going to go ahead with the unpredicated statements and look at them first. Why? Because of all the I am statements, this particular group, the unpredicated ones, are the essential declaration of this man that reveals his true divine identity. Why is it important? I'll jump ahead a little bit. Because Jesus says somewhere to someone, if you do not believe that I am, if you do not believe that I am the Son of God, unique Son of God, if you don't believe what Jesus says about himself, you can believe everything else, but if you don't believe what he says about himself, you will die in your sins. So parents of youth, whatever you teach your children, put this not only at the top of the list, put it at the bottom of the list, so everything between the two may be subject to and permeated by and made life-giving. Because you've taught your child who Jesus really is. Amen? And for us to do that, we need to have the same knowledge. So, not only come back next week.
But when you get into church today or whatever, and you're going to see others who weren't here, please encourage them to be here next week. Amen. I, I don't apologize for how I feel because I should feel this way. Why? Because this is about God himself. Thanks for being here.